the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock as we get underway on this Tuesday, the 7th morning of the 5th month of the year of our Lord 2019. Have you gone out to vote? Yeah, it's not a very popular voting day, is it? Uh, It's one of those days where there might be some school ballot, school board levies uh, on the ballot. There may be some uh, very small local races. There may be things like um, city auditors and so on and so forth. Doesn't mean you shouldn't vote. Just means it's not popular. It's not, uh, there's not any massive federal elections going on or gubernatorial elections, these sorts of things. So not a lot of people get out there and get a high voter turnout on days like today. But I would be remiss if I did not ask you and thus encourage you to get out there and do your civic duty and cast a vote, particularly if it's an informed one. You know, it does call to mind though a question. Truthfully, it does. Um, because we talk about this and we talked about it on, uh, or in November rather of just this past year in the midterm elections about whether or not it's great or better or best for a democratic society like ours, you know, where we use the democratic process of voting in our, within our representative republic, but whether or not it's, it's better to have a massive turnout where everybody comes out and votes regardless of what they know, or if people who don't care enough to pay attention to who is whom and uh, to pay attention to what the issues are, that it would be better if they left the votes to the people to do. I'm legitimately questioning this. I am not suggesting that anyone be disenfranchised, ever. Never would I suggest such a thing. I am asking, though, that on a you know in a general sense, is our country better off if everybody casts a vote, including millions of uninformed ones, just because they're going to, you know, they're going to, I like the sound of this person's name, uh, the D or the R, uh, multiple choice, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, that one. 
You know what I mean? Is that the best way for a democratic society to 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 choose its elected officials, to decide on its uh, on its referendums, its issues, and so on and so forth? I'm I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I talked about this back then. I talked about it in the presidential election cycle in 2016 too. If you really do not understand anything about anything, nobody's going to get mad at you if you don't vote. I'm never going to suggest you shouldn't vote again. Like I said. No disenfranchisement here. But I will question whether or not it's the right thing to do for you to vote, for your own purposes. I don't think you should be bullied into the into the voting booth if you just have no idea and you're going to go any, meeny, money, mo. Here, here I'll, I'll give you a metaphor. <clears throat> every year in March, late March, right, almost every office in America does a March Madness pool, don't they? March Madness, fill out your bracket and uh, and pick the winners. And you, you get a big pot of money. It's usually illegal, but who cares? Everybody does anyway. I think they even do it in the government offices. But everybody does that, right? And who almost always wins? We've all seen this, right? Who almost always wins? The, the hardcore college basketball fan who has studied the RPIs of every team, their shooting percentages, their win percentage on neutral sites, uh, their home and road, and this and that and the other. The one who studies it and figures, I've got it. I've got it locked down. Here's my ballot. Or... The receptionist who says, well, of course a Wolverine could beat up a a, a, a Hoosier. Uh, I'll pick Michigan. Well, duh, really? Uh, I mean, a Hawk versus uh, the, the um, you know, and I don't know, i got to pick another team here because I'm dragging this metaphor out. But Or, or they, they'll do it by mascots, which mascot is tougher, or she'll do it by colors. Oh, I like those. Those are beautiful. I like those colors. I'm picking them over them. And they win. It's like, uh, yeah, uh, that's frustrating. If you don't know what's going on, and yet you cast your votes, you're not necessarily helping, I don't think, our republic, right? I think you're just kind of muddying up the water. Let the people who know what's going on cast their votes. Just a thought. I don't know. It's really interesting on a day like this when it's uh, when it's a voting day, and not too many people know it's even a voting day, and not too many people plan to exercise their First Amendment, or uh, their uh, rights to vote today, rather. All right, so uh, we got a lot going on today. We're packed in terms of guests. Coming up in a little less than a half an hour, we're going to talk to Chris Farrell. Chris Farrell is with Judicial Watch. He is brilliant, and he is a very timely guest. First of all, he's going to be appearing, excuse me, he is going to be appearing on uh, Saturday, uh, May 11th, Saturday, May 11th, at the Portage County Tea Party event. It's a fantastic event at the Maplewood Career Center in Ravenna. He's going to be a guest speaker there. It's Tom Zawistowski's uh, uh, organization. And uh, it's a huge, it's a very important uh, meeting. He is going to be presenting the inside story on the Mueller Report, the Deep State, and what comes next. We get an advanced taste of that uh, coming up here at about uh, 9.35. By the way, you hear Tom Fitton all the time. He's kind of like the face of uh, Judicial Watch. You see him on national TV all the time talking about all of the, you know, Judicial Watch subpoenaed this, or not subpoenaed, uh, uh, did a FOIA request for this. They uncovered that. 
Chris is the one who leads the investigative teams that provides all of that stuff. So uh, Chris Farrell is going to be joining us here in just a bit to talk about the deep state, and especially what's being done to William Barr in an attempt to, again, continue to finish the coup, if you will, against the President of the United States. At 948, Congressman Jim Jordan, you might have noticed he was uh, conspicuous by his absence yesterday. Congressman Jordan had to move to today, so he'll join us at 948. We'll talk about uh, the Dems' attempt to steal President Trump's uh, growing and and exploding economy. That's what they're trying to do. We'll also talk to him about... um, uh, the deep state attempts and investigating the investigators. William Barr, the attorney general, is all set to start ordering investigations of what happened and what our FBI was doing at the time of the Hillary Clinton investigation and what became the Donald Trump investigation and what was their role in getting the um, uh, dossier that was used eventually to present to the FISA court to spy on Team Trump. So we'll talk to uh, Jordan about that. Peter Kirsten out at 1010 is going to talk about Rashida Tlaib. And about Ilhan Omar, our two jihadists in the house, they side with Hamas, as Hamas has continued to attack Israel. Over 700 rockets fired uh, from Gaza into Israel. Israel, of course, striking back. And when Israel fights back to defend itself, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar lead the call for condemnation of Israel. How dare they defend themselves? Why don't they take our terror attacks with good humor? Why can't they just accept that we want what they have and let us attack them? How dare they fight back? They're terrible. Yeah, uh, we're going to get Peter Kersenow's thoughts about that. You can uh, believe that. And then at 1035, Bill Johnson. Congressman Bill Johnson is going to be joining us to talk about some of those things, but also about his appearance coming up this Friday at the um, uh, Spring Freedom Banquet put on by the Ohio Christian Alliance. We talked yesterday with Bill Federer about that. We'll talk to Bill Johnson, who was the sponsor in the House of Representatives, the original sponsor of the bill, uh, to allow the uh, D-Day prayer to be added to the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. So I told you, we're hammered with guests. i got four really, really good guests. You have to pick and choose your spots to get in at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Very much would like to hear from you. Uh, dial now, and we'll try to get you in as soon as we possibly can. Okay, uh, really uh, far too much ground to cover in a two-hour show, but we're going to do our very best here. I want to sh- I start with Cory Booker. Cory Booker wants your guns. Cory Booker is making no bones about it. Uh, he is one of the Democrat uh, 22. I think they're at 22, or is it 23? 22 or 23 declared candidates thus far, each of them trying to make a name for themselves to distinguish themselves against the other 21. I am better to take Donald Trump and his wonderful, glorious economy out uh, uh, than the other guys because of this. Well, he has kind of staked his claim on, I'm going after your guns. Not even joking about this, starting with a national gun registry with the end goal being to take, quote, weapons of war off the streets and he will stop at nothing to make that happen. Cory Booker on CNN says, I'll lock you up if I have Before to. Before you go, just one final question on your gun proposal since you've just released it this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your fellow, your competitor uh, in the 2020 race, uh, Congressman Eric Swalwa, has also, like you, proposed an uh, assault weapons ban. But he's proposing a buyback program where mm-hmm. Americans who currently have those guns uh, could sell them, essentially, to the government. But if they don't, within a certain period of time, they would be prosecuted, so subject to be thrown in jail, perhaps. Are you supportive of the same measure? 
Well, first of all, when I was mayor of the city of Newark, again, I have a record on dealing with gun violence. We, we did a lot of uh, gun buybacks and even other creative ideas that I think uh, we should have uh, uh, when I'm president of the United States. The critical thing is I think most Americans uh, agree that these weapons of war uh, should not be on our streets. But, Again, but would, some... you, would you prosecute people? Do you support the government buying them back? And if not, potentially people could go to jail if they don't want to sell them back. Yes or no? Again, we should have a law that bans these weapons, and we should have a reasonable period in which people can turn in these weapons. Uh, right now, we have a nation that allows, in streets and communities like mine, these weapons that should not exist. <laughs> Senator Cory so, Booker. So Cory Booker <clears throat> refuses to disavow the notion of locking you up for, I don't know, using your Second Amendment rights, for affirming your right to self-defense, your right to keep and bear arms. He refuses to say, I would not lock people up. But gun buyback programs are fine if they're voluntary, not if they are mandatory. And you would be taken to jail. How, by the way? Just I, I kind of figure we, maybe we should ask Cory Booker this, just for the sake of um, uh, consistency here. How would one be walked to jail? At the point of a gun. That's right. When you are arrested, you are arrested by police officers carrying guns. You are taken to the jail by people carrying guns. Now, obviously, we know that our law enforcement has to have guns, but so does our population, which is exactly why the Second Amendment exists. So Booker refused to say whether or not he would force people uh, uh, at the penalty of jail to turn in their guns or engage in a, a gun buyback program, which means, of course, that he would. If he would not lock you up, he would have said, of course not, don't be ridiculous, we can't do that. We're going to encourage more people to turn in their guns, but no, we can't do that. Now, I think it's a perfectly appropriate time to talk about what cities, communities, that do turn in their guns or that just simply have never been allowed to have their guns because of local ordinances, what these cities look like. I had a wonderful, wonderful presentation made to me by a libertarian, a friend of mine who found this on a Libertarian Party's website. A tale of two cities. Compare and contrast two very equally sized cities, Chicago, Illinois, Houston, Texas. I want Cory Booker. I want Eric Swalwell. I want every... A gun-grabbing, liberal, anti-Second Amendment uh, individual in this country to listen to the comparison of Chicago to Houston. Population of Chicago, 2.7 million. Houston, about 2.2 million. Very close. Median household income in Chicago is $38,600. In Houston, it's $37,000. Very, very close. Percentage of minorities, meaning African-American, 38.9% in Chicago, 24% in Houston. A little bit bit more in Chicago. Percentage of Hispanic population, 29% in Chicago, 44% in Houston. A little bit more in Houston. But the minority representation, pretty equal when you add the two up. Percentage of Asian, 5.5% in Chicago. Kill kill that music, please. Kill that music, please. Uh, 5.5% Asian in Chicago, 6% in Houston. Very close. Percentage of non-Hispanic whites in Chicago, 28%. Houston's 26%. We're talking about two sister cities here, almost mirroring one another. But let's move on. Is concealed carry legal in Chicago? No. In Houston, yes. Number of gun stores in Chicago, zero. 
Number of gun stores in Houston, 184 dedicated gun stores, plus 1,500 other legal places to buy guns. Walmart, Kmart, sporting goods, etc. Number of homicides in 2012, when this uh, the, the uh, last uh, year that they have the numbers for this. Homicides in 2012 in Chicago, 1,806. In Houston, 207. Homicides per 100,000 in population, 38% in Chicago, 9% in Houston. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a trend here. Two otherwise equal populations, equal racial and majority um, uh, makeup, demographic makeups. The biggest significant difference between the two cities, one allows concealed carry, the other does not. One sells guns, the other does not. And it's the one that does not sell guns and does not allow concealed carry that has a massive gun homicide problem on its hands. And the one where guns are readily available in stores and in people's homes and in their vehicles, a very, very low homicide rate. Hey, Cory Booker, can you answer that, please? Eric Swalwell, can you speak to those numbers, please? They're going after your guns, my friends, and all it's going to do is make you more, uh, put you in more jeopardy, make you less safe. All right, now you can play the music. It's 922. We'll get a quick time out here. Uh, I want to hear from you at 216-901-0945 as soon as we're done with this break because we have a lot of guests coming up after that on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. All right, 926, continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. As long as we're taking apart Democrat candidates for president like Booker and Swalwell for their, I don't know, insanity, and that's pretty much what it is. Really, really great find here, um, and I got to re- I tr- I can't remember who who got the who. Uh, I want to give credit to this who who found this. But do you remember when Walter Mondale, running against President Reagan, <clears throat> promised to raise your taxes? He tried to accuse Reagan of wanting to raise your taxes too in 1984. Tried to accuse him of that, but admitted that he himself would raise your taxes. Remember this, Mr. Reagan will raise taxes, and so will I. He won't tell you. I just did. Shortly after Walter Mondale said, I'm going to raise your taxes, he was defeated in maybe the worst or greatest, depending on your perspective, I suppose, <laughs> landslide in the history of the American presidency. I wonder if history will repeat itself, thanks to Joe Biden. You know, people say, well, Joe, how are you going to do all this? Well, guess what? First thing I do is going to repeal this Trump tax cut. Oh, not a joke. Not a joke. Going to repeal those Trump tax cuts. Repealing the Trump tax cuts would, in essence, be, just so you know, the greatest or largest tax increase on the American people that we have seen in decades. That's right. Because thanks to the new tax cuts, a typical family of four earning the median family income of $73,000 saw a tax cut of over $2,000 and oftentimes also saw raises and bonuses being paid by corporations and businesses and employers who are enjoying tax cuts. 
That's a fifth. They also got a 58% reduction in their federal taxes. A single parent with one child with a much lower annual income at the bottom end of the scale, around 41000 saw a tax cut still of $1,304, 73% fewer federal taxes they had to pay because of that. And again, better jobs, better opportunities, promotional opportunities, because businesses are expanding and growing, opening new branches, opening new locations, expanding manufacturing, and so on and so forth. Most people got tax cuts, <clears throat> over 80% of them, in fact, uh, in this country, at all income levels, receive tax cuts. And here's Joe Biden promising to take that away, literally, quote, first thing I do is repeal those tax cuts. It didn't work out well for Walter Mondale. I wonder if it'll work out if Joe Biden is the nominee. And oh, by the way, Joe Biden is leading, and I know it's a lot of just name recognition at this early going stage of this process, but Joe Biden has a lead of 32 points over the second place contestant. That's right, 32 points. Joe Biden is at about 46% in the uh, polling for the, of the Democratic primary candidates, and it's uh, Bernie Sanders in second place, down at 14%. It's 9.30, time for news. We're going to talk to Chris Farrell of uh, Judicial Watch coming up next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. News, opinion, insight. This is AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 934 now, the Bob France Authority, continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks so much for joining us, Congressman Jim Jordan, in about 15 minutes now. Uh, without further ado, though, I want to welcome Chris Farrell to the program, Judicial Watch's Director of Investigations and Research. This is the guy that does all the work and all of the digging to get all of the information that you often see presented by Tom Fitton on television all the time. He does incredibly important work. He joins us now. He's going to be presenting a lot of that information, by the way, coming up this Saturday at an event with the Portage County Tea Party. Uh, we'll talk about that in a couple. Chris Farrell, thanks for the time today. How are you, sir? Bob, great to be with you. Thanks very much. Good to talk to you. Uh, our mutual friend Tom Zawasowski uh, was able to hook, hook us up with this event uh, to kind of give us a little sneak preview of what you're going to talk about on Saturday in front of 300 uh, very uh, um, uh, very eager listeners to learn what uh, what is going on with the deep state. Now, now you have done such great work. You and all of your colleagues at Judicial Walk uh, or Watch, rather, Chris, have done such great work in in exposing the deep state attempts to get Hillary Clinton elected before. Uh, the 2016 election, and then to destroy President Donald Trump afterwards. Uh, is it still a coup? And is that coup right now in the phase where they have to destroy all of the president's protectors, including, and I say that, by the way, colloquially, uh, because Attorney General William Barr is doing his job. He is not being the quote-unquote wingman that Eric Holder once bragged about being for Barack Obama. But what he is, has done in, in the course of doing his job is he has protected President Trump uh, from those who wish to uh, uh, try to uh, skew the results of the Mueller report. You are correct. Uh, the left is in an absolute panic at this point because the hoax, the two-year lie to the American people has been exposed. And as you pointed out, in large part, I'm very proud of my organization, Judicial Watch, because we've been able to dig up records and documents no one else has been able to get a hold of. And we do so through a legal process. You know, we go to federal court and sue to get these records. And the opportunity on Saturday to come out and talk to folks in Ohio 
is uh, to get the backstory. So you only get sound bites on television or you watch your you know favorite newscast or show in the evening and you get bits and pieces. But um, I think the opportunity on Saturday will be to kind of peek, peek behind the, the, the curtain and understand context and innuendo and the, the broader picture of how we got to where we are right now because we are in the death throes of a coup against the President of the United States. How much of this is is dependent upon them literally either removing or impeaching, or they're talking, every every Democrat on the Hill in, in one of these committees, oversight, judicial, and so on and so forth, they're talking about locking up Bill Barr. And I know there are negotiations to get him to testify after he refused to uh, uh, comply last week with uh, the subpoena. Uh, but but they, they have to remove uh, Bill Barr from, from the Attorney General's office in order to continue, yes? But and that's not going to happen. I mean, there's, there's two aspects to that. Number one, they're in a panic. They've been exposed, right? They've lied to the public for years. The entire thing is a house of cards. There's real criminality, a real criminal uh, effort abusing both law enforcement and, and intelligence services to unlawfully target and try to penetrate the Trump campaign. And this is all going to be exposed. And, of course, Barr is the key to getting that exposed. And then the second point, a little more cynical, but just as real, is, look, this is a fundraising stunt for all these people. They'll go out to their, their hard left base and say, I'm fighting to get Trump. I'm fighting to get Barr. Uh, you know, be sure to donate, right? So th- there's a hook to this. So part of it is, is fear, and part of it is, is pu- you know, propaganda, publicity stuff. Chris Farrell is joining us from Judicial Watch. Um with respect to uh, what what they are trying to do, what what Mr. Barr objected to, because he he spoke obviously before the Senate Judiciary Committee last week. Before going to the House, though, he said no because of what they were trying to do. They were trying to allow attorneys, meaning you know uh, uh, committee staffers, uh, meaning attorneys, to question him. This is obviously highly uh, uh, irregular. It is, in fact, I don't know if any uh, cabinet official has ever been called before a congressional committee to testify under those circumstances. Questions from the attorneys representing the staffers. Why is is that such a big deal? Well, because uh, in the history of that particular committee, uh, which has a 206-year-long history, no cabinet officer has ever been questioned by staff attorneys. Not ever. And so this is not just sort of, you know, changing the rules or adjusting things for a new situation. This is such a radical departure from the history of our, of our public uh, and such an abusive process that there's no way in the world the Attorney General is going to subject himself to being questioned by staff munchkins when, uh, you know, 80, 80 85% of the, of the Judiciary Committee are attorneys. Uh, and look, those same staff attorneys. Well, so, why, what, what's, you know, the, what's the end game there, um, Chris? If I mean, why did they want to do this? I mean, you know, like you said, it's never been done before. There have been some high leverage testimony, high leverage question and answer, really intense ones throughout the years. They've never done this before. Why now? Why in, in this case? It's an effort to humiliate. They, they're trying to marginalize, controversialize, and, and really humiliate and debase uh, not just the Office of the Attorney General, but Mr. Barr personally. Like I said, these these are the desperate, frantic actions of people who know that the jig is up. 
Chris Farrell is our guest. He is uh, a Judicial Watch's lead investigator. He's going to be speaking on Saturday, this coming Saturday, the 11th, at 2 p.m. at the Maplewood Career Center in Ravenna uh, as a part of the Portage County uh, Tea Party. It's a, it's a Tom Z-supported event, and he's going to be giving you a lot more detail on what we're just scratching the surface of here with respect to the deep state, the attempt to remove the president, and more. Tickets to this event are free, but you have to have one to get in, and there are less than 80, I'm told by Tom as we started this interview, Less than 80 available. They will seat 300. Uh, about 220 are claimed. So if you want tickets, you need to uh, get on the phone and ask for them at 300, uh, at 330-474-3848. That's the number that I have. Or go on PortageCountyTeaParty.com for more information there. If you want to be there, you have to have tickets. Chris, um, let's let's talk about investing the investigating the investigators. Now, the one thing that William Barr did say in his Senate testimony, Senate Judiciary Committee testimony, is that he is going to put some people together, and he is going to start looking at the way the FBI conducted itself during uh, the run-up to the 2016 election with respect to how they uh, uh, investigated Hillary Clinton and the email server and beyond, and then, of course, what they did to Donald Trump by getting, uh, you know, the FISA court warrants to spy on Team Trump. And then, you know, obviously everything we've seen in the last two years after he won that election. Is that why he's so dangerous? And if he is unable to do this, what is next? Yeah, that, that really is the critical uh, uh, sort of angle or approach that uh, Attorney General Barr has. And that's frankly what has the left in such a panic. I think the context for all this, I mean, there's a lot of different angles to that, and I look forward to discussing them all on, on Saturday. But mm-hmm. the one kind of fast takeaway is Lisa, Page, uh, Lisa Page's text message to Peter Strzok, September 2016, she writes, quote, POTUS wants to know everything we're doing, close quote. And, of course, POTUS means Obama. She was preparing talking points for the director of the FBI to go brief, to go brief Obama on this entire uh, Conspiracy, and I, I use the word advisedly, uh, to to penetrate the Trump campaign, to, to criminalize them, uh, to use every trick in the book to do a smear job and either neutralize him as a candidate and then certainly attempt to either destabilize or remove him as president. So you think, and I, and I, and I think I get your, your meaning here, and I think a lot of other people agree, I'm one of them, that none of this could have gone on without the knowledge, if not approval, if not direction of the president. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Lisa Page is being very frank and writing in a, in a, what she thinks is a, uh, secure or confidential mode to her boyfriend. And she's very excited because she's the one actually preparing the talking points for the director of the FBI to go brief the president. And the subject matter is specifically, uh, the actions of, uh, Strzok and the rest of the crowd there, there's a litany of about 14 names, all of whom are either resigned, fired, retired, etc. But that entire cabal, that's a good word for it, believe me, mm-hmm. uh, their efforts to target and penetrate the Trump campaign, to use law enforcement and intelligence assets against them, uh, and to, number one, do a smear job on them, and number two, either make them, uh, you know, un- inviable or un- untenable, uh, as candidate, and then certainly to try to destabilize and remove uh, President Trump from office. Chris, I know you don't work for the Department of Justice yourself, but what what's the in, what what's the worst case scenario for these people? Just embarrassment, they got caught, or uh, it, it, you know, could some of these people be held criminally responsible for this for their actions? Uh, you know, in, you know, in trying to taint 
uh, President Trump in order to uh, excuse Hillary Clinton and so on and so forth. If all of this goes up to Obama, including through Loretta Lynch, I mean, are, are there criminal possibilities here? There is. There's real legal jeopardy. There's real exposure uh, for all these people. Uh, you know, not just the sort of on the ground working it angle of like Peter Strzok, but also those persons who are charged. They have an affirmative duty, right, to uphold the law and to, and to oversee these operations and activities. And anybody who said yes, go ahead, or signed a piece of paper, they're on the hook. Chris Farrell uh, with Judicial Watch, our guest today. He is going to be a better guest uh, on Saturday because he's going to have a lot more time to get into a lot more of this information and answer your questions. Saturday uh, at a Portage County Tea Party event, meet Judicial Watch's Chris Farrell uh, on Saturday at Maplewood Career Center in Ravenna, 2 o'clock. You have to have tickets. They are free, but you have to have tickets. There are less than 80 available. Go to portagecountyteaparty.com to get yours. Chris, I wish we had more time to talk today, but I really appreciate you giving us a thumbnail sketch of this. I know it's going to be a very informative informative event on Saturday. Great to be with you, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, sir. That's Chris Farrell joining us on AM 1420. The answer, it's 945. We'll get out now. We've got to make room for Congressman Jim Jordan, who's next right here on AM 1420. The answer. Nine fifty. We continue now on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Congressman Jim Jordan, joining us on the uh, this uh, Tuesday edition of the program. Congressman Jordan, good to have you, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bobby France. How are you doing? I'm good, sir. No uh, we are living Bobby, in a time. No one, no one calls you Bobby at that, do they? It's all Bob. Uh, right? You know, since since my mom passed away twelve years ago, no, uh, nobody else has. Nobody's yeah. done it since. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to yell at me. Like, don't ever call me that. I was. Oh, uh, you know what? You know, no, you know what? Yeah, you you can call me whatever you want, Congressman. Uh, I, think, I think we got a good enough relationship here. We can be a little bit fun that way. Uh, all no. right, Jimmy. Um, and now let's uh, talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to fire back, right? Great. Yeah, you got to go that way. Uh, all right, uh, Congressman, uh, let, let's die. You know, you ask me how I'm doing, and I tell you I'm doing great because everybody is doing great. Everybody at every um, economic level of this country is doing great, whether you're lower middle class, middle class, upper middle class, or part of the wealthy, the business owners, the corporate owners. We're all doing well at this time of great prosperity, of 3.2% GDP growth, 3.6% unemployment, lowest in 49 years, wages up 3.2% over the last 10 years. It's all going so well under President Trump's leadership and with you and your colleagues' yep. passage of the uh, Trump tax pa- uh, tax or reduction bill. And here we are in 2019, Congressman Jordan, enjoying all of this prosperity, and the Democrats are trying to say they're responsible for it. Yeah, I mean, give me a break. But you're right, it is good. Uh, and we know <laughs> who is responsible for it, the leadership of President Trump. And uh, it, it's interesting because I, I saw a news story that said the the, the uh Part of the population with the with the best growth, uh, the the most uh, the most growth has actually been uh, lower middle class uh, families. That's, That's right. where the real the real the benefits have been. And I talked to some business people in in our district just like a couple of weeks ago, and they told me they've been in business now twenty some years. They said this is the best the best they have ever seen it. So uh, that is a testimony again, I think, to the president's leadership. As you said, lowest unemployment in 50 years, last quarter, 3.2% growth. We're adding hundreds of thousands of jobs every single month, many of those in manufacturing, which, as you know, is huge in our state. So it is, it is all good news. And, uh, you know, I always say, God bless America. You've got to love this country and the opportunity. It affords people who are willing to set goals and work hard. Um, and when you have the right kind of leadership, good things happen. 
But how do you respond then to the, uh, the, the 2020 Democrat hopefuls who are all saying, yeah, well, um, this isn't Trump's doing. This is a continuation of well, the Barack Obama uh, economic recovery here. We're now seeing well, the fruits. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the economy is bearing the fruit because of the seeds planted by Obama. I mean, I've just gotten used to Democrats saying things that just aren't that accurate, that are misleading. So I don't, I don't put a whole lot of stock in what they say. I know what people understand, I know what people believe, and I know what the facts are. And the truth is, when Donald Trump was elected on November 8, 2016, there was a change in the confidence level of business owners and, and just families across this country and said things are going to be different, and they sure have been. And under two and a half years of his leadership, we talked about this list all, all last fall, but taxes cut, regulations reduced, economy growing at an unbelievable rate, lowest unemployment in 50 years, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh on the court, we're out of the Iran deal, the embassies in Jerusalem, hostages are back from North Korea, new NAFTA agreement on the way, and a host of other things that have all happened. And the Democrats had, didn't have a darn thing to do with any of that. And everyone across this country knows it except the people who work at CNN. That very well said. That's very and the DNC, which are kind of one and the same. I repeat myself. Congressman Jim Jordan joining us. I want to talk and pivot now to uh, the attacks on William Barr. I don't know that I've seen anybody treated this uh, this badly since Brett Kavanaugh, and I don't know if I saw anybody yeah. treated that badly in maybe fifty or sixty years. I don't. I don't even know if I could name another one. Um, what they're trying to do is criminal. I was just talking to a guest from uh, from Judicial Watch, uh, suggesting uh, what they're trying to do by allowing him to or forcing him rather to answer questions from staffers on the. Judiciary Committee, meaning attorneys, uh, is just an attempt to embarrass him and an attempt to trap him. Um, they're, they're threatening to lock him up yeah. or to cite him with contempt of Congress if he does not appear and answer questions, which has never been done before for a cabinet-level official before the House Judiciary yep. Committee. What's going to happen? Well, uh, I said this Sunday, and I, I believe it. I, the real obstruction of justice right now is what the Democrats are trying to do to Bill Barr, and I think they're trying to do it to Bill Barr because, first, he's handled himself in such a professional way. I think exactly the way Americans want their attorney general to act. Uh, second, I think they're nervous about what he's going to find. Remember, he made four important statements three weeks ago in front of the Senate Finance Committee. Bob. He said, first of all, there was, there was a failure of leadership at the upper echelon of the FBI. No kidding. We all know that. But he specifically said it in a, in a hearing to Democrats when they were asked. He said, and you think about it, Comey, McKay, Baker, Struck, Page, we know there was a failure of leadership. Then he said three other things. He said, he said second, spying did in fact occur. He said, third, there's a basis for my concern about that spying. So there are certain things he thinks show that that spying wasn't properly predicated. And then the fourth thing, and I think this is real important, he used two terms that my guess is most of your listeners aren't that familiar with. He said, uh, he said that there could have been political surveillance and unauthorized surveillance. Now, that's scary in this country, and he, he is bound to determine to get to the bottom of it and find out the answers to those concerns that he has. And I think the Democrats are afraid of that. That's why they're going after him so hard, threatening contempt tomorrow, not letting him come and testify under the circumstances you're supposed to come testify, and, and talking about you know how he has to resign and all this ridiculous thing. So I think that that's the real obstruction of justice now is what they are doing to a good man who is running the Justice Department the way Americans, I think, want it run. Um, why aren't they asking for Bob Mueller to come and testify? Well, he is now. He is scheduled to come um, next. Wednesday, I believe, the 15th, um, Bob, is, uh, Bob Mueller is scheduled to come in front, uh, tentatively scheduled. Uh, one of the Democrat members of the, of the House Judiciary Committee uh, mentioned that on the, one of the Sunday shows, 
Well, if Mueller is going to testify, if Mueller's going to testify, sir, I apologize for the interruption. Then, then why why is it so important to have a bar up before this committee and and also to be questioned by those staffers, the other attorneys? I mean, no, isn't, isn't Barr going to be asked basically about the Mueller report? And and you got Bob Mueller coming in. Ask him. No, I, you're so. I said that several weeks ago. Same same point. It's like, well, look, you want all this stuff? Just if you want to, just invite the guy in who ran the special counsel investigation for 22 months and spent 35 million dollars and had 19 lawyers, most of them Democrat, 40 FBI agents. Did did had interviewed 500 witnesses and issued 2,800 subpoenas. Bring that guy in for goodness' sake. So uh, I agree with you. Bring him, and it looks like they're going to bring him in next week, and we'll get a chance to ask him questions. Congressman, I ask you one more question. It's about some of your colleagues, some of your freshman Democratic colleagues, particularly Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, who have been the loudest voices condemning and criticizing not Hamas for firing 700 yeah. rockets into Israel, but criticizing Israel for existing, it's for quote-unquote occupying land, for, for fighting back and defending themselves and their people and their children. I mean, I, I don't understand how an elected representative of the, of the United States of America cannot side with our devoted ally in the region, in the Middle East, uh, in Israel, and instead sides with a terror group designated as such by our country and many others, Hamas, who is responsible for all of yeah. this. No, it, it, Bob. You know how many you know how many Israelis you know how many Jewish people live in the Gaza Strip, in the Gaza Strip, zero. No. So this 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 idea that this occupied land is just that that doesn't make sense to me. And and this this, this sort of moral. But I think they're talking about Israel proper. I think they're talking about the actual. Well, I they, they think Israel I think is op- occupying Palestinian land. They, they they don't think Israel deserves to exist. That's why they want it wiped out. And it, it, it is it is so just so long. Hamas runs the Gaza Strip, they're, they're firing in hundreds of rockets all the time, and somehow when Israel responds, and Israel, they only, they, 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 they go out of their way not to target any type of, not to harm any type of civilian population, they go after the terrorists, but Hamas doesn't do that, they just indiscriminately fire rockets and, and, and kill families and fire into to, uh, to, to areas that are villages and all, they're not trying to do anything but just be terror, that's all they're doing, and then somehow to say there's some moral equivalence or that Israel's wrong is just ridiculous, so um yeah this is this is a scary scary mindset we see from some people um just to just to trying quote, to, uh, trying to say yeah, just to give uh, people an idea of what you and I are talking about right now, Rashida Tlaib on, on Sunday tweeted, when will the world stop dehumanizing the Palestinian people who just want to be free? Uh, and, and then she's talking about a headline, uh, headlines like this, framing it in this way just feeds into the continued lack of responsibility on Israel, who unjustly op- oppresses and targets Palestinian children and families. Hashtag free Palestine. This woman is in your yeah. Congress, our Congress, the yeah. People's House. I cannot understand that. You know, it, it, just denying the right of the people of Israel to a defend themselves and b to exist. Hamas wants them wiped off the map. Map is yeah. Iran and a lot of other enemies. I mean, are are they going to side with Iran as well over the United States? How can they be representatives of the United States and the constituents no, is, in their is, districts in such a way? It is it is so wrong. And never forget, I think it was fourteen fifteen years ago when mm-hmm. when Israel gave the Gaza Strip then to the Palestinian Authority. And what happened at that next election? The folks in the Gaza Strip there elected Hamas as their leadership, a terrorist group. Not that the Palestinian Authority is one is, is anything great, but they elected they elected Hamas as a as a terrorist group as the governing authority in the in the Gaza Strip, and then they fire rockets over into Israel, and somehow you have people saying, "Oh, it's Israel's fault." That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Israel goes out of their way to to try to get some kind of peace agreement, some to work something out, m- removes people from the Gaza Strip, Israelis and, and Jewish people who live there. Back, back to, to Israel proper, and 
and somehow they're the bad guy? This is crazy. It really is. It's beyond crazy. It's very, very, very dangerous. Uh, Israel is, is going to defend itself, and they're going to defend itself with the support of the United States of America. And uh, jihadists right. in Congress don't necessarily uh, uh, add to that cause, I don't think. They don't aid the cause. Congressman Jordan, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. you. you got a lot of work this Bob, week. Good luck, with, good luck with the Judiciary Committee, sir. We'll talk again soon. All right. Take care. Thank you. That's Congressman Jim Jordan. I told you we are loaded up today on AM 1420, The Answer. Congressman Jordan to be followed to the airwaves by the great Peter Kersenow. He's next on AM 1420. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.